What's going on, listeners? Uh, before we get started today, I wanted to let everyone know that we do have the new shirts out. We've had a lot of people asking. We did complete the Reagan is Satan design, which if you recall our Reagan uh, two-parter, you'll remember the design where he's holding like the tomahawk weapon in one hand and then a bag of cocaine in the other. It's got the nuclear explosion behind it. So if you do want to support the podcast, that's a great way to do it. Uh, shirts are $25 plus shipping and tax. You can just go to turn-leftist-podcast.myshopify.com. That's M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y.com. So go ahead, pull up your web browser, turn-leftist-podcast.myshopify.com. Help us out. Grab a shirt. It's a very limited run. Uh, I think we've already moved like half of them, so we don't have a whole bunch left. But, you know, we've got some really cool ideas for the next shirts once these sell out. I, I think the thing that I hate most about being like a gun aficionado is that when you go to sites or things like that where they're like, hey, come check this out. Uh, like there's a, a device called the, the Micro-Roni that turns your Glock into effectively like a, an SBR. In Minecraft. Um, you know, but. It, it's it, it's a pistol brace. It helps brace your arm when you're when you're shooting. Um, and the the promotional material has a Trump impersonator. Like they did the whole thing, Holy like the, the limo coming up <clears throat> and like showing up at the range, and like he gets out and you see him from the back, and he's you know big fat guy with the with the pomp. No room to talk. Um, and then he gets out and then like he hands him the, the conversion kit and he's got like two, uh, Glock 18s in it and he's just, Jesus Christ. And then he like puts on the hat and gets back in the limo, you know, where everything is just, um, cut to where you can't quite see his face. But, and I'm just like, wow, wow. This is, this is fucking disgusting. I like your product. Because it allows me to do things, um, you know, it, it helps me with uh, with locating diamonds and, and finding the right redstone. But um, yeah, that's what, like when I go into Five uh, Eleven, which I've just at this point completely stopped shopping at. But I would go in there because I I really do like the quality of their pants, and they're made they're made so good. Now I'll, every time I go in there, they're like, "Oh, well, let us tell you about what's going on with the NRA and offer you this uh, one time free NRA patch." And I'm like, "Listen, I'm a fucking communist, you piece of shit. Stop talking to me." <laughs> that's that's why I have this here. Yeah, in the you know in the in the fucking constitutional writing because someone will look at it and they'll be like, "Hey, hey, brother, what's a what's your tattoo mean?" Like and that. it's like, well, so you know. Uh, under no pretext should arms and munitions be surrendered. Any attempt to do so should be, you know, was that Reagan, yeah, brother? Reagan, and, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, isn't that the second I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, just Google under no pretext Reagan, <laughs> and then like I, I, I need to get it on a card because I know there are some people that have had like an aneurysm <laughs> after I've talked to them. Somebody goes, uh, how we can win? It was a Facebook quote. It was like a Facebook comment. And somebody goes, liberal Marxist media like Fox is brainwashing people that some communist boss should take it all. No, the profits should go to the ordinary capitalist people who actually run the business and do the work, not some Marxist shareholders. God bless. God what bless. Goddamn, dude, that's <laughs> genius, dude. 
That's all we gotta do. We just gotta sweep, uh, sw- like swap it all around. Just switch everything. Just start calling, you know, fascism, Marxism, and then these guys will hate it. And then start calling Marxism capitalism, and then they'll just they'll be all for it because they actually would love it. You know, I'm gonna give the liberal take from what happened. If that's okay, mm. like if if we were actually doing, if or mm-hmm. not we, sorry, if libs were actually doing the insurrection, it would have been a little bit of different. Secretly escorted the cast of. Hamilton onto the fucking galleries and shit like that. And just softly seeing history has its eyes on you, comrades. Also, should I buy a tech deck real quick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just saying. They still it's make gonna those? Be, like a little skateboard? Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be one more thing I can play with on my desk that's going to get picked up. But God, it sounds so sick just to have a little tech deck. Sorry. I mean, you that's might want to show up on all the audio <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> No, see, see the kind of shit that you need to have on, you know, next to your desk to play with or, you know, things like Kalishnikovs, because those are, you know, just fun. <laughs> I'm not allowed to speak on that. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> and I can't say why. <laughs> no, the tech deck's a good idea, though. I hear the more you practice with that, the better you are at fingering. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right, let me, let me wrangle everybody, since this is my new job now. <laughs> <laughs> all right good luck hurting all these cats yeah just jump in for a second i'm just on, on facebook i should be paying attention but i my one of my family members and i won't name who just posted this and said shake my head trump has not and has never been impeached so no he's not been impeached twice he's not even been impeached once some people in their mind want him to be some people in their mind think he has been but let's keep the truth what the fuck? <laughs> I know this is going to bite me in the ass when my family members are going to hear this and tell her, but look, that's fucking dumb, dog. <laughs> like, what do they think actually happened? Like, I did see somebody say I don't that. Um, know. I saw somebody, like one of those, you know, technically kind of people, they said yesterday that Trump wasn't actually impeached. It was that the, what did they, how did they phrase it? They said, like, oh the Senate God. or the House voted to do something, but it wasn't like a technically an impeachment or like they voted on articles of impeachment or something. Like, I don't know if one of you guys knows more about it than I do. I don't There was one it. thing that I saw that was talking about how it was not impeaching, that it was uh, trying to invoke the 25th, that they were trying to like push yes. Pence to invoke the 25th. That's what I heard. Okay, yeah. They were saying that it wasn't technically an impeachment. It was that they voted to try to push Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. And that's technically what happened yesterday, not an actual impeachment. But I have a feeling that's not what your no, family they, member is saying. Like, no, it's not. And neither is that right either. They did vote on articles of impeachment. He is technically impeached twice. Impeachment is done at the House level. It's the Senate's job to decide whether or not he should be removed on the grounds of impeachment. But the Senate does not determine whether or not he's impeached. Impeach does not mean removal from office. That's where people right. get that shit wrong. Impeachment is just, I mean, I don't even know what the accurate like comparison would be. It's basically just a really bad slap on the fucking wrist i mean it really doesn't do shit it obviously didn't stop him from being in office for another year afterwards yeah i mean they're literally just fucking hazing him at this point yeah but that's the funny part is they really could just take that angle and say impeachment is actually not what you think it is and then they would have a fair argument (laughs) i mean yeah like if i was on their side i would be at least using the factual argument of sure yeah he was technically impeached but impeachment doesn't mean what you think it means it's actually not that big of a deal it does not mean a president's removed from office it does not mean the senate finds them guilty blah fucking blah like it can literally be done just on a majority vote so i just don't understand why they don't take that angle sorry yeah word yeah no dude if 
People really want to impeach him. They could have got him the first week in the Monuments Clause. Yes, this is all bullshit. Honestly, it's a shame they didn't use Operation Midnight Climax on him. That's a really <laughs> good oh man, Sniffy know. McAdderall on LSD. Oh. <laughs> oh shit! I actually like that one. Of all the shitty nicknames for Trump with the Cheeto and all that bullshit, Sniffy McAdderall. I actually like that a lot. <laughs> it's pretty good. I just can't wait till you guys like edit this and listen to how many different times Sterling pronounced <laughs> Mujahideen. Oh, sure. Bro, oh, yeah, he was going to Michael, leave it in like, there. Uh, dude, he was going like to have David like, Perdue yeah. trying to pronounce Kamala Harris's name, dude. Kamala, wala, 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 wala. That shit got so cringy. <laughs> the Mujahideen, uh, Jesus fucking Christ. Mujahideen consisted of several different. So the reason I keep mispronouncing that, not to interrupt myself, but I, I started spelling it a whole different way halfway through my document and it just totally fucked me up. <laughs> but anyway, the. the M-O-O. Yeah, the. Yeah, it's, it's phonetic in there. Mujahideen. <laughs> the Mujahideen. <laughs> That, that's definitely wrong. The Mujahideen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. The Mujahideen. God damn it. Okay. Damn. Okay. The, there, there's your cold open. <laughs> the Mujahideen. <laughs> fucking balls. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, I just, I feel like I'm pronouncing it as if I were tasing myself in the balls. The Mujahideen. <laughs> Don't tell me with a good time. Oh. No, yeah. The <laughs> consisted of several different guerrilla militias operating Ooh. in Afghanistan during the Afghan war. One of my favorite parts that I didn't even find out until after we recorded out last week was the people who went in and stayed within the velvet ropes inside the Capitol. That's it. That's all I have to say I mean, about they, it. It's just, they it's just the funny. Tour. <laughs> and as they were walking, they would they would pick up one of the little like poles that hold the velvet ropes and move it like two foot to the left, and then the next guy would move it a little further, as if you've stormed and illegally entered a government building. But don't go any further and go outside the velvet ropes. But if we just yeah. slowly start nudging them and widening <laughs> it, that's the craziest fucking part to me. Like. I'm like, what the fuck do you care about these goddamn velvet ropes? That's where you run into that juxtaposition of insurgents and authoritarianism. It's like, unless if someone comes up and says, no, no, the, the velvet ropes don't mean anything. These ones don't. Those ones do. The doors, the windows on the outside. Don't worry about those, but worry about the velvet ropes inside. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading here that uh, between the years of 2002 and 2017, the United States has spent an estimated $2.8 on counterterrorism. And we had a football mascot manage to get into the legislature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, money well spent. America. Fucking sweet. I feel good about that investment. It's paying off. Yeah. I don't even want to break that down per person. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe they got in there and got as far as they did. And all they did really was poop in the hallways and leave a can of Axe spray. <laughs> You know, they did tase themselves in the balls. Like, let's not oh, say yeah, they that did too. nothing, sir. I'm not letting yeah, that shit go. Yeah. No, no. I will believe it till I die. I don't care. I did man. see I a, uh, a Craigslist ad. I think it was for 15K. You can buy the speaker's podium. <laughs> Saw that too. Yeah, I wonder if that's, uh, yeah. I, I guess probably not because that guy's been arrested. <laughs> and well, you, you know, never know. Maybe he slid it off to the side. Like, he got so confused because, you know, they said, we're going to go there and take a stand. And he, didn't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. That's a better one. That's a better one. That is pretty good. 
Yeah, his lawyer said in an interview was like, yeah, the picture is a little troublesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course. Which, horrible attorney. Horrible attorney. Oh, yeah. You should have just not fucking said shit. When your lawyer comes out and says, I'm not a magician, I'm pretty sure you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he decided you're yeah. fucked. Amazing. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Turn Leftist Podcast. I'm Mike, and I'm here as always with Sterling, Cosper, Ward, and Jaron. And tonight we have with us Gray. He runs the Red Marksman page on Instagram. He's another fellow Politogram shit poster like us. That's Red underscore Marksman. Why don't you say hi, Gray? Hey, how's it going? How you doing, man? So tonight we're going to be talking about terrorism. So we just wanted to talk about the concept of terrorism. Uh, We had this in our initial list of topics to cover. And not only did we find that it ties in pretty well with our discussions about fascism versus anti-fascism that we were doing the last two weeks, but it's obviously especially relevant to current events. For anyone listening to this months from now, we are recording this on January 14th of 2021. So this is between the quote unquote attempted coup at the Capitol on the 6th and what will likely be another attempt or several in the coming weeks. If uh, the Trumpists make good on the threats that they are so cleverly broadcasting on social media, great OPSEC guys, by the way, just fucking genius. But uh, regarding terrorism more generally, what we want to make clear is that the definition is entirely subjective. I can't possibly count the number of times I've come across, you know, Ben Shapiro clones online who think that they're experts in political affairs for quoting the dictionary definition of terrorism as in violence committed for a political purpose in order to officially declare via tweet from their bathroom that Black Lives Matter and Antifa are indeed terrorist organizations. But in practice, terrorism is defined by governments and their representatives as they see fit. Governments, of course, they claim a monopoly on violence and therefore any violence done by agents of the state to foreign citizens or their own is considered lawful, it's justified as necessary to maintain law and order, to liberate people by bringing them democracy and freedom, or even just to protect business interests. Meanwhile, any violence inflicted on state actors or even on property, whether it's public or private, and no matter how trivial in comparison to what was instigated or inflicted by the state itself, uh, can be labeled quote-unquote terrorism. I guess that's the basis of what we'll be getting into. No, man, I just, I think the dates for when they're going to do the next uh, COVID coup are the 17th and inauguration. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing so far. What you got, Stoma? I just wanted to thank you for using coup instead of insurgents, because Mm. I refuse to call this shit a fucking insurgents. I feel like you can only be an insurgents if you succeed. If you fail, you're a a coup at best. (laughs) Yeah, like they're calling it what? Insurgents and insurrection. They're calling it all kinds of things. And I feel like they're making these guys sound more badass than they actually were. Like Exactly, exactly. What's up, Jerry? I mean, the thing about this, though, that relates to what we're going to talk about tonight is if this were any other ideological or racial or religious group besides like primarily white Christian Americans, they would have no problem whipping out the T word pretty damn quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But instead, we're looking at like, quote unquote, insurrectionists. It's just like the the lone wolf argument, you know, when you see like a Kyle Rittenhouse or whatever the fuck, they're very quick to not say like gang or terrorist or all of these things that we know what those words mean, Mm -hmm. uh, because they're part of this larger majority that we are from a state perspective emboldened to. 
Yeah, or just even call them what they are. Like these people are obviously racist. They're obviously white nationalists. They're obviously, you know, if not outright fascist, because they are probably just that much in denial that what they are engaging in is fascism to a T. But, you know, we can still call them that whether or not they're going to admit it. I mean, you don't really need fascists to admit that they're fascists for them to be fascist. I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to get these people to own up to it. And it's it's a mistake. Like you shouldn't be arguing online with people, getting them to admit that they're okay with fascism because it doesn't matter. Like you don't need them to admit it. Like you can just call a spade a spade. So on that, I know there's probably some some crosstalk with Behind the Bastards. You know, they, they did a whole whole series on the little Nazis, which were basically the nice people next door that were like, yeah, I benefit from fascism. So, you know, why the fuck not? I, I guess in, in our world, we call them liberals. But the thing that I saw that just absolutely fucking floored me was uh, the post from 4chan where they were like, imagine spending the last five years posting on poll, doing QAnon, going through all of the signs on your front yard, doing the stop the steal. and then. You go storm the Capitol on Trump's orders, and then you get in there, you're running around with your fucking QAnon tattoos, American face paint, your giant goddamn water buffalo headgear. <laughs> and then they're like, that's the fucking Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> real money in real time they've put into this, probably more so than any president in history yeah. like the average person just buying fucking trump gear i mean flags hats shirts you yeah name i've it. never seen anybody with that much merch dude it looks like they're out here supporting their own fucking football team and shit dude that's it. well that's what they're doing it did look like that <laughs> um so i want to get into some of the stuff that i uh, prepared here um i got a lot of material from this video by the youtuber second thought and i found out about this video recently because of the controversy surrounding it so he created this video called The CIA is a Terrorist Organization. Based. And I mean, he's not wrong at all. And we'll yeah. definitely find out why. But Spoilers. shortly after he made the video, he made a second video about what happened once he published it. So first and foremost, he got a visit from the Department of Homeland Security for this video that he posted. Oh. It was immediately removed from his subscribers' feeds and from search results, even if you searched it by the exact title. And it was demonetized. And to view the video, even now, you have to sign into YouTube just to view it, and you have to agree to multiple content warnings. Oh my god. Um, it was actually really difficult for me to get into it, because I have a Huawei phone, and I can't just sign into YouTube like a normal person. <laughs> so his second video describes just how unusual that is for him, because he's been making videos for years, and he's never had something like that happen. And so he has no concrete proof, but it's really not hard to deduce that YouTube was prompted to do all of this by the CIA itself. And I was considering, you know, adding the video or adding the audio of the video at the end of the episode, but it's a 20-minute video, and our focus here isn't just on the CIA, even though that is probably going to be a major part of it. But I think we will include some clips from it, mainly the interviews that he has with CIA operatives where they openly admit to CIA actions that would absolutely be considered terrorism if anyone else had committed. There's two components to kind of consider here just to kind of frame terrorism, at least in my opinion, is so one is automatically just by having a state. We're assuming that there's going to be a monopoly on violence and subsequently a monopoly on justice. So anything that operates outside of those margins, whether or not it's justified, is going to be perceived as either A, criminal, or B, terrorist. So even if we're looking at, let's say, you know, a violent reaction to cops murdering someone in the middle of the street, there is significant rhetoric there to call that terrorism, or at the very least to call it criminal. But the second thing would be that terrorism is being used currently by the United States as a license to prolong its economic lifespan. It's pretty clear based on like our way of life here and the luxuries that we enjoy. If you really look at it from an outside perspective, this isn't sustainable and it's becoming increasingly clear. And the way that we've kept this going is by looting other places under a pretext, which is terrorism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the longer we talk about this, 
I find that we keep just stumbling upon the same themes over and over again. Like we keep just getting at the conclusion that capitalism is unsustainable and to keep it going, you have to resort to more authoritarianism and more violence. You have to bring out the fascism card every once in a while when things really turn into a crisis. And just the fact that you need all this stuff is showing that you're not giving people their basic material needs. And all of that authoritarianism and just heavy handedness with law enforcement and the military could be avoided if capitalism actually worked to give people what they need at a basic level. You know, Jaron likes to say on the front end as opposed to the stick on the back end. What you got, Stilling? Yeah, I guess just on the front end of this, before we dive too deep, the small little definitions I had, I'll, I'll just knock out since yeah, go for it. where they'd make the most sense. So all I did here, and you've actually literally already defined this, I mean, the the honest, most simple definition of terrorism is just acts of violence committed in, in the name of uh, a political or religious cause. But the FBI has really interesting definitions of, of terrorism. Their international terrorism is violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups who are inspired by, and that's a very important part, inspired by, marinate there, mm -hmm. or associated with designated foreign terrorist organizations or nations. So the first reason this one interests me is basically it's so goddamn broad anyone could be an international terrorist at this point. I mean, if anyone could say you're inspired by one of these terrorist organizations, I mean, hell, our, all of our search histories today could probably qualify <laughs> us each for that. <laughs> so, and then their, their domestic terrorism is violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influences. Here's where this one gets interesting such as those of political, religious, which we've already named, those are the two that really matter for terrorism, but look at where the FBI goes next, or social, racial, or environmental nature. So, I mean, with all of those categories, are there many other things you could be committing violence for? I mean, they, they basically, at this point, they've defined it as, if you commit violence, we can label you a terrorist. I mean, it's so goddamn broad, it's not funny. Go ahead, Mike. Did they say to get laid? <laughs> yeah, I think that is in there, in fact. Shit. They, they made me enter your social security number before I could unlock that part of the <laughs> FBI page. <laughs> well, thanks for doing that. Yeah, no problem, no problem. The field so, literally says, what is Mike's security number? <laughs> <laughs> We've been no trying problem. to get that one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I got Wikipedia is terrorism is, in the broadest sense, the use of intentional violence for political or religious purposes. It is used in the regard primarily to refer to violence during peacetime or in the context of war against non-combatants. I think that's pretty fair. You know, again, radical, political, or religious violent acts, and it even puts a focus on those who are non-combatants, so civilians and that kind of thing. Um, so that was nice. I, I wish the FBI could have included that. But then we get to Britannica, which, you know, every now and then I just come upon Britannica and realize that they're accidentally based as fuck sometimes. So this one is terrorism, the calculated use of violence to create a general climate of fear in a population and thereby to bring about a particular political objective. Terrorism has been practiced by political organizations with both rightist and leftist objectives, by nationalistic and religious groups, 
by revolutionaries and even by state institutions such as armies, intelligence service, and police. And can we just give a round of applause to fucking Britannica yeah. for being for that's a great definition. I loved it. They held no punches. And so I, I just wanted to give our, our more baby leftist listeners just a little uh, more definitions to go off of it and let them see that that there is like some flexibility within that. Go ahead, Jaron. Okay. So you're saying that if someone makes, let's say, social media content to inspire fear and thereby change the mentality of the consumer <laughs> that is participating in that media, that that is terrorism. So like if the Pentagon hypothetically in 2016 spent like $500 million making fake terror videos for people like us to consume, which they may or may not have done. Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely kind of did. I'm following did that fit the criteria. Theoretically. <laughs> You had mentioned that it was against, um, you know, non-combatants. So we've officially found evidence of Obama being a terrorist. Yes, absolutely. Well, no, because you just call them combatants afterwards. That's, yeah, you, you call like them combatants after. I think that's actually where was, the IRA got it wrong. I think if they had done that, they would have been just fine. Right. He was coming at me with his face <laughs> and his words. <laughs> I think we're all on the same page there. Yes, the state has a monopoly on violence. but. When you have a community that is being underserved by your violence waitresses of the cops and you go and try and create your own community defense the same way that you had with the Black Panthers or, you know, admittedly in gangs nowadays, that comes from a lack of protection of community of what the police are supposed to originally do. And they immediately go, no, these people are bad. They're protecting their community with guns and taking out people that shouldn't be there. I just think it's ironic, too, because like, OK, so you were talking about criminal syndicates like the gang or mob or whatever. And it's, it's so funny because every now and then the state will extend like this blanket of protection that's usually reserved for the cops to these crime syndicates if it happens to serve their best interest. So like uh, one of the things that they did in Cuba during the Kennedy administration, um, I'm not even going to talk about Operation Northwoods. We'll do that later hopefully, but uh, with operations Mongoose and Bingo, <laughs> they went up to the mafia and they're like, hey, would you like to have gambling in Cuba again? You know you would. So can you help <laughs> us organize some of the craziest motherfuckers we can find and go down there and like just stir shit up? So the U.S. actively enlisted the mob to help them do their dirty work. That was vis-a-vis the CIA. So like, yeah, there's this monopoly on violence, but it's, it's also flexible if it's on their terms. Yeah, I think that's the point we're going to keep coming across with all of this is that it is very convenient if you're the state, like just the definition of terrorism. It's very loose. It's very fluid, but it's always going to work in favor of the state and no one else. I think in interest of time for the episode, you may want to just drop the fact that it was done by the CIA and just call it out if it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I may just have to just assume that. Well, yeah, I think the big thing is the difference between uh, terrorism as a definition and terrorism as a label used by the U.S. government and CIA are two very fucking different things. Yes. Um, So to get into some of the CIA stuff, uh, like I was mentioning. So one of the examples I have here is uh, Masada. Uh, this was called Operation Ajax, by the way. So Operation Ajax was when the CIA overthrew Masada in Iran. He nationalized the Iranian oil company. Obviously, that was cutting into the profits of British and American oil. And he was supported by the Iranian Communist Party. So both President Eisenhower and Winston Churchill felt the need to overthrow. So the CIA paid violent organizations in Tehran to stage protests and riots, and they bust people in to seize the capital. And this resulted in the deaths of two to 300 people. 
Uh, they installed a puppet government under the Shah of Iran, and Masada was arrested. He was convicted of treason. He spent three years in prison and the rest of his life under house arrest. And this was all because he just won a fair election and nationalized the oil industry. So all of this wasn't even revealed until 2013 when CIA documentation of the coup was declassified. And it details their planning and execution of the coup, the propaganda they used, the officials in government and military that they bribed, and the approval for all of this from the highest government officials here and in England. Oh, and it also mentions that according to the CIA's own declassified documents, they have taken part in at least 61 attempts at forcible regime chains in other countries during the Cold War. Uh, one thing that we keep hearing in the news regards to this U.S. Capitol raids is that it makes the U.S. look like a, quote, banana republic. Cosper even mentioned this last week. Yeah. So for anyone unfamiliar with the term, this originated with the U.S. overthrowing the government and installing a dictator in Guatemala. And similar attempts in Colombia, Cuba, and Honduras, all of this was done directly at the behest of the United Fruit Company. And what's crazy to me is that I went to look this stuff up. And if you just look up the United Fruit Company's Wikipedia page, like all this shit is right there. Like they don't even deny it. Like it's still... <laughs> It's just right there out in the open. Yes. Um, and so summarizing from the Guatemala section on the United Fruit Company's Wikipedia page, uh, in 1954, the United Fruit Company was going to have 40% of its land, which it had acquired violently in the first place, seized by the democratically elected Jacobo Arbenz. So they went to the presidents Truman and Eisenhower, uh, alleging that Arbenz had ties to the Soviets. And despite having little to no evidence of this, the CIA funded, armed, and trained military forces led by Carlos Castillo Armas, who then invaded Guatemala from Honduras. He overthrew Arbenz and installed Armas as the head of a military dictatorship after that. And he was just the first in a long line of dictators in that country. What'd you get, Jerry? I was just going to say, if another large country had arranged this shit, if somebody had provided military backing, shipped people in here that knew what the fuck they were doing and had like a definite plan, like imagine some, like the U.S. managed to U.S. the U.S. This shit would have gone down very differently. <laughs> yeah. They would have at least picked a militia that had a plan for once right. they got in the capital. Like, I know there were a couple guys with, like, flexi cuffs. So they had a plan A. But if you're going to commit a coup, you need plan A through Z. And that they did not. So I know, I know that we U.S.ed the U.S. at least Little Bits, Tiny Face podcaster Charlie Kirk busing in. <laughs> 80 buses worth of people, which is about, about 4,000. So I know, I know we've at least got... That side of the U.S., U.S.ing the U.S. I just saw this before we started recording tonight. Um, it was just a headline. I didn't actually get to read the article because I had to come out here and start recording. But apparently they have traced some payments to these people who came to raid the coup in Bitcoin from a foreign country. And I'm just assuming it's from Russia. And I'm sure that's what all the liberals will assume as well. But I actually didn't look into it further than that. I just saw the headline. So we'll probably have some more info coming out about that by the time this podcast is released. So it's looking like Aside from actual military, it pretty much is exactly that. It is some foreign actors who are funding this. I don't know. I don't think they had any training camps in the woods. Well, they didn't have any official training camps. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of them had decentralized training camps. So I guess, I guess that's where they got the idea that they were anarchists, was that it was decentralized militias that were all coming together to like you know do some kind of community defense in the form of fascism. I mean, this is just a giant clusterfuck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw the, the tweet from the president of Zimbabwe, like right after what happened on the 6th, but he was saying last year, President Trump extended painful economic sanctions placed on Zimbabwe, citing concerns about Zimbabwe's democracy. Yesterday's event showed that the U.S. has no moral right to punish another nation <laughs> under the guise of upholding democracy. <laughs> just a good take, I Max. think, here from the president. Yeah, first I thought you were saying you heard from President Trump's Twitter. You're like, I saw on Twitter from the president, and I'm like, well, probably not that. Dude, I mean, president. honestly, 
I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm going to miss him. One of the best posters ever. We're ne- <laughs> oh, God. We're, we're never going to see a damn, when's the last time you saw a skinny person drinking Diet Coke tweet again? I feel bad. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. And uh, Mike, I'm guessing you're going to also mention that United Fruit Company has a new name now and can be purchased in fucking Publix. Right. Yeah, I was gonna save that for the end, but yeah, they are Chiquita Banana now. They okay. never went away. They are still okay. around, still thriving. <laughs> They're doing just fine. In case you thought that any company was gonna have any kind of accountability for this, of course not. Yeah, you should know, you should know better if you're listening <laughs> nah, to us. There's also a, a really good commentary. It's a very short book if anyone hasn't read it before. And this guy's name is phenomenal. It's it's so 1920 sounding. But uh, Major Brigadier Smedley Butler mm-hmm. uh, wrote this book called War Is a Racket. It's really short, and he he actually oh boom. Yeah, Ward already has it right there. Like it's on the desk. (laughs) Yeah, he literally talks about how he was one of the muscle men for pushing these banana republics on Central and South America. I saw an article published in like the Kenyan newspaper, like who's the banana republic now? Apparently a film group out of Kenya is going to make a film based on the Capitol riots. (laughs) I would watch the shit out of that. Oh, yeah. They like said they're going to have to like groom the actor who's going to be playing Trump. They're going to make him gain weight and practice how to talk <laughs> just like Trump. All right. So let me go Dude. on here with um, <laughs> some of these uh, incidents of terrorism committed by the U.S. So we have the, the My Lai massacre in Vietnam. This is now reminding me, I did want to preface this entire episode with a trigger warning. If anybody does not like descriptions of horrific acts and atrocities, you may want to skip this one. So the My Lai Massacre in Vietnam, on March 16, 1968, the Charlie Company, 11th Brigade, entered the village of My Lai in an area of Vietnam where many members of the American Brigade had been maimed or killed by Viet Cong forces. The troops ended up killing over 300 civilians under orders from their lieutenant, William Colley, who told his men to enter the village firing, although there had been no report of opposing fire. According to eyewitness reports, several old men were bayoneted, praying women and children were shot in the back of the head, and at least one girl was raped and then killed. And the story did not reach the American public until journalist Seymour Hirsch published a story detailing his conversations with a Vietnam veteran, Rob Ridenour. The massacre raised significant questions about the conduct of American soldiers and their leaders in the field. This is a big one. Like when you talk about atrocities from the Vietnam era, My Lai is probably one of the biggest ones that comes up. Uh, Jaron, you'll probably know better than me. Was the bombing of Cambodia at that same time? Was that in the same conflict? Because I know that's Kissinger's big thing that people hate him for. I think it was around the same time period, but I, I don't know the exact timeline, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, there was also significant use in both, though I don't know the timeline, of Napalm and Agent Orange, which have longstanding effects, not just on the people affected, but their children and their children's children. Yeah. So skipping around a bit, there's Abu Ghraib in Iraq. So in 2004, the world was shocked when photos were released of American soldiers abusing Iraqi prisoners at Abu Ghraib. Photos fueled Arab and Muslim rage against the United States. Nine U.S. soldiers were found guilty in an abuse case, which also fueled multiple other military and congressional investigations. Former President Bush proposed to destroy the complex after the crimes were uncovered, but an American military judge ordered that it be preserved as a crime scene. In March 2006, the military announced that it would clear out all remaining prisoners from Abu Ghraib. And in February 2009, the prison was reopened under a new name and promises of humanitarian conduct. So actually, that brings up another point. By committing terrorism, the state actually fuels more terrorism. And that's something that people have been talking about ever since the Iraq war, when we were talking about the indiscriminate bombing and drone striking of civilians and how that would actually create more terrorists. Like, I remember that being the anti-war sentiment that you were just not even allowed to express at the time. Like, if you just even said, you guys realize, like, we're creating more terrorists by committing these atrocities to people. Like, it's making them hate us more. They don't hate us for our freedom. They hate us for the awful shit that we're doing to them. Moving on to Afghanistan. This is the uh, Azizabad airstrike. So on August 22nd, 2008, Afghan civilians who had gathered in a small village for the memorial ceremony of a militia leader were killed by airstrike 
by U.S. and Afghan soldiers who were on an operation in the area to pursue Taliban commander Mullah Sadiq. The airstrikes estimated casualties varied widely between 30 and 90, according to conflicting accounts from American troops, aid workers, local villagers, and a report made by the Afghanistan government. The Pentagon described the attack as, quote, a legitimate strike against the Taliban and questioned the casualty estimates given by the government of Afghanistan and reported by the media. The U.S. military originally denied that any civilian casualties had occurred, but later acknowledged after the release of a cell phone video that some civilians may have been killed. Especially not great, considering the entire pretext of us being in Afghanistan to begin with is they barred poppy production in 2001 and then bam, we're in there, which is not terribly coincidental to me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being blown away when I found out about that. And basically that's just, it's like a direct line to what funds the opioid epidemic in this country is the poppy production in Afghanistan. And once they threatened yep. to cut that faucet off, got to invade, and we're going to use the convenient terrorist attacks that happened in 2001 as the pretext. Somebody say resource? Let me see. I have the Nisor Square Massacre. This is pretty relevant. The Nisor Square Massacre, this occurred on September 16, 2007, when employees of Blackwater Security Consulting, now named Academy, shot at Iraqi civilians, killing 17 and injuring 20 in Nisor Square, Baghdad, while escorting a U.S. embassy convoy. The killings outraged Iraqis and strained relations between Iraq and the United States. In 2014, four Blackwater employees were tried and convicted in U.S. federal court, one of murder and the other three of manslaughter and firearms charges. All four convicted were pardoned by Donald Trump last month. What's up, Jerry? Also, fun fact about that read the conviction is uh, Betsy DeVoe's brother, Eric Prince, is the guy that owns Academy. Yeah, he runs that and obviously very close ties to the Trump administration. Eric Prince is another evil fuck that you can do some Googling about and find some awful shit about. Oh, this was interesting. So Blackwater guards claimed that the convoy was ambushed and that they fired at the attackers in defense of the convoy. The Iraqi government and an Iraqi police investigator stated that the killings were unprovoked. The next day, Blackwater Worldwide's license to operate in Iraq was temporarily revoked. The U.S. State Department had said that, quote, innocent life was lost. And I just wanted to note the use of the passive voice there. Like, as opposed to saying that Americans killed innocent people, just innocent life was lost. Not even innocent people were killed, just innocent life was lost. Like, you couldn't find it anymore. And according to the Washington Post, a military report appeared to corroborate the Iraqi government's contention that Blackwater was at fault. The Iraqi government vowed to punish Blackwater. The incident sparked at least five investigations, including one from the FBI, which found that of the 17 Iraqis killed by the guards, at least 14 were shot without cause. So yeah, these are the people that Trump was using his pardons on last month after he lost the election. Great people. We love you. You're special. They're very fine people <laughs> on both sides. Chelsea Manning would have been nice, but you know. You're right. Yeah. So I did also want to mention just briefly the Iran-Contra affair. I think if anybody wants to hear a little more about that, just go check out our first episode on Reagan. But as we covered in that episode, this was where the CIA supported the Contras. They were a far-right terrorist group, obviously, and they imported drugs into the U.S. and sold them to fund and arm the Contras. So that it was may have been the special. second nice episode. And also one of the best video games of the early 90s. Contra. <laughs> Only 90s kids will remember. Should I rewatch Rambo? That's my big question looking into all this. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Okay. Okay. That's all I need. Just for the caption at the beginning, dude. That's still <laughs> okay, good. good enough. The last things I'll mention about the CIA specifically, but I did want to mention MKUltra. Base. So this was also called the CIA Mind Control Program. This is the code name given to a program of experiments on human subjects that were designed and undertaken by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, some of which were illegal. Experiments on humans were intended to... Sorry. I know, right? Sorry. Only some. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So experiments... Just a couple. Are they funding Neuralink now? You guys got to let me know when you have these one-liners. It was actually really good, and I just stepped all over it. Okay, so experiments on humans were intended to identify and develop drugs and procedures to be used in interrogations in order to weaken the individual and force confessions through mind control. 
The project was organized through the Office of Scientific Intelligence of the CIA and coordinated with the United States Army Biological Warfare Laboratories. Other code names for the drug-related experiments were Project Bluebird and Project Artichoke. Project Artichoke just sounds so innocuous, doesn't it? MKUltra was definitely the best. Like yeah, they the pulled bit. off each patient, dipped them in mayo, and said, "Okay, do what I tell you." <laughs> I just, I just picture like this board and everyone sitting around it, like workshopping name ideas, and they're like, "What do you think of artichoke for this, you know, mind control experiment we're about yep, to we're embark?" Gonna, <laughs> I'm going home to the wife. Done, done. Like, Man, I don't even yeah. fucking care anymore. <laughs> MK Ultra was uh, what produced Ted Kaczynski. For all our Ted Pilled listeners out there, he was a part of Project MK Ultra. Now, was that also when they were dosing people with LSD, or was that uh, an earlier thing? That's actually the next thing I have, which is Operation Midnight Climax. Oh, oh is this the fluoride okay. yeah, water, brother? In the water? No, no. Uh, Operation Midnight Climax was, was originally where they were going to try and uh, hypnotize people through porn, but decided that LSD was a much better idea. Dude, what a fucking I'd say go name, with both. Though. Yeah, like honestly, <laughs> if I was coming up for a name of like, what's the most, dude? Midnight climax. Let's get it again. Another. Let's just fucking go home moment. Operation, <laughs> yeah, any Operation fucking... Surprise oh. Orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be upset if there's not a strip club in the world named Midnight Climax. <laughs> Literally sounds like some fucking fatality finisher move or some shit. <laughs> Sexuality. <laughs> I just want to say this, like, Cosper, your room looks like it would be the atmosphere from Midnight Climax. Oh, for sure. I got light control like fucking here. It's okay. Operation Midnight Climax. It started in 1954. Operation Midnight Climax consisted of a web of CIA-run safe houses in San Francisco, Marin County, California, and New York City. It was established in order to study the effects of LSD on unconsenting individuals. Prostitutes on the CIA payroll were instructed to lure clients back to the safe houses, where they were surreptitiously plied with a wide range of substances, including LSD, and monitored behind one-way glass. They were then fed subliminal messages telling them to kill or to harm various people so their reactions could be recorded. So... Keep in mind that they didn't know what this was going to do. Like they were literally just trying to hypnotize these people into committing murders and other violent acts just to see if it was going to work. They had no idea if they were going to go out and kill civilians or whoever, and they didn't care. They just wanted to see how it was going to go. I listened to uh, an episode of, I believe it was Chapo, and I can't remember the author or the book, but basically he makes the connection to Charles Manson with this project. And he can just about prove that Charles Manson was involved in this and was caught by law enforcement agencies and was let go because he was protected by federal agents. And that is pretty much what is responsible for him doing all the things that he did. Uh, let me go with you, Sterling, and then we'll go with Cosper. Um, the joke probably isn't as good as I thought it was at first, but I was just going to say, best case scenario, you got mentally fucking conditioned super soldiers. And then worst case scenario, we find the G-spot guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's <pretty> good. <laughs> finally after all these fucking years the g-men find the g-spot this just reminds me of fucking the men who stare at goats which is a great movie? fucking movie yeah. Yeah. it's yeah, like best like case scenario that. you just have someone who can pop a fucking goat's head with their mind <laughs> you know absolute best oh man I, so I um we get all this instead of health care so just the last thing i have on operation midnight climax every one of these acts was blatantly illegal and several significant operational techniques were developed in this theater including extensive research into sexual blackmail surveillance technology and the possible use of mind-altering drugs in field operations the operation midnight climax program was soon expanded and cia operatives began dosing people in restaurants bars and beaches 
The safe houses were dramatically scaled back in 1963, following a CIA report by Inspector General John Ehrman, which strongly recommended closing the facility. The San Francisco safe houses were closed in 1965, and the New York City safe house soon followed in 1966. Wait, did you just tell me that the CIA were roofing people? No, even better than that, dude. Yeah. We're giving them the real shit. Just a true yeah. You could just be hanging out on the beach with your family. Next thing you know, you're gone for 18 hours. <laughs> Guys, I don't know. I just feel really weird all of a sudden. Like, Babe, I got to go follow SpongeBob real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> all right. So that's um, what I have for the CIA material that I brought. Then the other thing I just did want to tie this into was the idea that none of this stuff is labeled as terrorism. Obviously, we're going to just harp on this point a lot that when the state or its intelligence agencies or any of its actors do these kinds of things that are obviously terrorism, they're obviously atrocities, it's not called terrorism. But things that are called terrorism, people that are charged as terrorists are people who protest like at Occupy Wall Street, Standing Rock, any of the Black Lives Matter or Antifa protesters. Like so many of those people have been charged as terrorists and given heavy handed sentences because of it. Meanwhile, these people on the payroll of the government soaking up your tax dollars just get away with this shit with no accountability whatsoever. So just to kind of close the book on that particular chapter of the podcast, I think it's funny that this term is just so malleable. Just using like Syria as a case study, right? We have a problem with Bashar al-Assad's government. So we arm the FSA, the Free Syrian Army, and then the arms trickle down from the FSA to al-Nusra and from al-Nusra to ISIS, which we knew was going to happen because whenever you arm one Sunni insurgency, all Sunni insurgencies end up getting the weapons. We know this because we've seen it for the past 70 fucking years. We designed it. That's not unusual, and we knew it was going to happen. But still, you know, we, we're looking at the FSA and saying they're freedom fighters, and we know that they're working with ISIS, who we call terrorists, trying to overthrow the army of Bashar al-Assad, just the Syrian army, right? So now we have three players involved. But then because obviously the ISIS thing goes haywire, suddenly we're in Syria. And then suddenly Russia's like, oh, fuck, the U.S. is in Syria and Russia ends up in Syria. But the overall point here is, even though this seems completely insane, which it is, the point of it is to maintain destabilization of a country. It is not to have a full synthesis at the end. Sometimes it's not even to have a regime change. It's just to have a perpetual reality of bullshit somewhere to justify occupation perpetually. Yeah. All right. So I got through most of the stuff that I had prepared. I did have just another short section about protesters from Standing Rock being charged as terrorists, but we can skip that for now. If uh, somebody else wants to take the reins, Sterling, did you want to start, talk about some of the stuff you brought? Yeah, I can, I can jump to mine real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so yeah, what I've prepared is kind of a little background on Osama bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, or Al-Qaeda, whichever way you pronounce it, the Taliban, and all the associated organizations during the period of of Al-Qaeda's founding and basically Reagan kind of getting involved in all of that. So there's one really cool Washington Post article written by Steve Call that I found uh, titled Anatomy of a Victory CIA's Covert Afghan War. So in all, the United States funneled more than two billion in guns and money to the Mujahideen during the 1980s. According to U.S. officials, it was the largest covert action program since World War II. Uh, So specially equipped C-141 Starlifter transporter carrying William Casey, who was the CIA director during the Reagan administration in the 80s, including during the Iran-Contra affair. So I'm sure you guys probably remember us talking about Casey during 
either episode one or two of the Reagan episodes. But they touched down at a military base south of Islamabad in October 1984 for a secret visit to plan strategy for the war against Soviet forces in Afghanistan. And what we're really going to learn here is, is it kind of like ties on to what Jaron was just saying, where the U.S.'s ultimate goal in the Middle East is not necessarily to stabilize it with, you know, someone who's pro-USA. They like it when it's destable because the chaos allows us to stay in the Middle East in these various countries. And it also keeps them in a position where they're willing to sell their resources extremely cheap or we're able to just take them for quote unquote freedom or being patriots or something. Go ahead. I think I think that runs into the the whole idea of Latin America where you know, they have to constantly destabilize these uh, Latinx countries mm -hmm. because if they're able to actually, you know, congeal and create power, then we're going to wind up a socialism on the American continents. And at that point, then that actually threatens the United States. So I think oh, it, yeah, it, it goes the nationalization side from geography and then resources from anywhere else they fucking want it. Yeah, that, that is a big point is they don't want to see any, you know, socialist or communist government actually thriving because then the citizens of the u.s may say hey maybe that shit's not quite as crazy as we thought and keeping in mind this is still during the cold war in the 80s you know we still have the soviet union which did have occupation and was supporting the current communist uh, government of afghanistan and the u.s basically wanted to help destabilize that and that's where the Mujahideen come into play. But anyway, to, to get back where I was in 1984 with uh, William Casey, the CIA director. So helicopters lifted Casey to three secret training camps near the Afghan border where he watched Mujahideen rebels. Uh, he watched them firing heavy weapons and uh, watching them learn how to make bombs with CIA supplied plastic explosives and detonators. So Casey's already supplying various resources to the Mujahideen, and he's going out there to watch what they're doing with it. He's visiting these bases that are close to the border of Afghanistan. During the visit, Casey startled his Pakistani host by proposing that they take the Afghan war into enemy territory i.e. the Soviet Union itself. He said the best way to end basically the Soviet's occupation is to take this battle even further right onto the motherland. Uh, so Casey wanted to ship subversive propaganda through Afghanistan to the Soviet Union's predominantly Muslim Southern republics. The Pakistanis agreed, and the CIA soon supplied thousands of Qurans, as well as books on Soviet atrocities in Uzbekistan, and tracks on historical heroes of Uzbek nationalism, according to Pakistani and Western officials. So we see the CIA actively pushing anti-communist propaganda and Muslim nationalism through even uh, regions of the Soviet Union to not only further the Afghan war within Afghanistan, but even furthering the war into the Soviet Union, because let's keep in mind, the big prize of the U.S. is fighting communism, and the Soviet Union is their big enemy much beyond Afghanistan themselves. So Casey's visit was a prelude to a secret Reagan administration decision in March 1985, reflected in National Security Decision Directive 166 to sharply escalate U.S. covert action in Afghanistan, according to Western officials. Well, I just wanted to clarify that the books that are being dropped off here were like, you know, your run-of-the-mill Harry Potters, your Hamiltons, <laughs> your... These things were yes, being read yes. by the brave Mujahideens. 
Oh my god. No. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Who is that? My liberal days. Holy L- listeners, shit, he just, uh, our guest, Gray, just whipped out a full life size poster of what's his, what's the guy's name from Hamilton? Manuel Miranda. Of course, you know yeah. him by name. <laughs> I didn't actually know what a he looked of, like. Now I know. A lot of his other plays are actually good. On a side note here, like, I, I still want to see him make uh, Fidel and Che yeah. in a musical. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Was he oh talked about doing that or something? No, no, no. Oh, I just, okay, I, 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 like I know that that would be leftist uh, an aneurysm, <laughs> but hopefully it would radicalize some people. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm just now realizing we had Gray on for probably the wrong reason. We should have just had you on to interview you and ask you. One, how long it took you to go from having a poster of Lynn Manuel Miranda to having under no pretext tattooed on your arm, <laughs> and and what prompted that kind of change? No, no, I'll do you one better. We can do a second episode where we talk about what it took from me being a conservative neo Calvinist minister. Oh God! To an atheist avid leftist. Hmm. I mean, maybe you were just predestined to be a leftist. Who knows? Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, glow up. Gosper's got it. Yeah, talk about a glow up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead and continue, Sterling. Sorry. Okay, okay. So um, let's see here. So that, you know, the secret Reagan administration decision, national security decision, Directive 166, sharply escalate U.S. covert action in Afghanistan, abandoning a policy of simple harassment of Soviet occupiers, the Reagan team decided secretly to let loose on the Afghan battle an array of U.S. high technology and military expertise in an effort to hit and demoralized Soviet commanders and soldiers. Casey saw it as a prime opportunity to strike at an overextended, potentially vulnerable Soviet empire. So this is just bringing back, I mean, Casey saw the whole Afghan war as not an opportunity to free the Afghanis, but to actually take this war into the Soviet Union. I mean, just think of this country like at war with itself and then getting convinced that they should go into another country and extend this further. I mean, it, it's insane that anyone even listened to them. And then they got all their panties in a bunch about the uh, USSR putting missiles in Cuba. I mean, fucking come on. Uh, no shit. We're literally pushing another country to have war with this country that we're quote unquote, you know, not really in a war with, but in the Cold War. But, you know, we talk about terrorism and we just define it as this political or religious violent attack. And this is like the ultimate example of political and religious. Let me talk Afghanistan into going to war with the country that's currently supporting Afghanistan. Come on, do a reactionary war. <laughs> Poking him with a stick. Like. Yeah. Dude, just to get like the full flex on how crazy this shit is. One of the things that they did in Cuba, more or less during the Cuban Missile Crisis era, is, so I mentioned operations uh, Mongoose and Bingo, uh-huh. but Northwoods was even more fucking insane because the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff and CIA had a joint proposal that they put on President Kennedy's desk that said, we should arm people as terrorists and train people to be terrorists and let them go in the U.S., specifically in Florida, to attack Cuban embassies, American civilians, to hijack planes. This is literally FOIA released. Like, this is public information, not a conspiracy theory, a conspiracy fact. And JFK said, we're not going to do that. He ended up doing mongoose and bingo 
but he drew the line at when the system was saying, hey, let's actually literally do terrorism <laughs> on American soil and then blame the Cubans Whoa. so that we can have license to invade Cuba. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Wait, so they almost armed leftists, or would this be kind of one of those... those? No, they would never do that, dude. They, oh, okay. They, okay. Guaranteed. No, no, no. That, yeah. <laughs> no, that's off the board. Yeah, leftists would not have attacked a Cuban embassy. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I think specifically they were interested in hiring either right-wing radicals from Cuba that were seeking asylum in the U.S., <laughs> or hiring paramilitary squads that are down to shoot people for money. But uh, so I, I had a few other things I wanted to add on the back end of this. The Mujahideen, uh, Jesus fucking Christ, Mujahideen consisted of several different guerrilla militias operating in Afghanistan during the Afghan war between 1979 and 1992 that opposed the Soviet Union's presence and eventually toppled the Afghan communist government. After the Afghan war, rival factors fell out amongst themselves, lending to the rise of the Taliban and an opposing coalition in the Northern Alliance. So that's just a background on who the Mujahideen are. And then Al-Qaeda, this is very important here too, is Al-Qaeda in a nutshell was a military commerce network founded by Osama bin Laden. Al-Qaeda sold and traded weapons, funded military organizations, and trained and supplied fighters, etc. Uh, during 1979 to 1989, Soviet-Afghan war in Afghanistan, in which the Soviet Union gave support to the communist Afghan government, Muslim insurgents known as the Mujahideen rallied to fight jihad or a holy war against the Soviet invaders, quote unquote, even though the Soviet invaders were literally there supporting the actual controlling communist government. Uh, among them was a Saudi Arabian, 17th child of 52 of a millionaire construction magnate, Osama bin Laden, who provided the Mujahideen with money weapons and fighters and then the taliban go ahead yeah no i just gotta chime in right here and just say that's not the way that shit happened in modern warfare too <laughs> okay. so, uh, just just as a prefix here if we're going to talk about it we're going to do it right <laughs> the taliban or students in the pasto language i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right emerged in the early 1990s in northern pakistan following the withdrawal of the soviet troops from afghanistan from southwestern afghanistan the taliban quickly extended their influence in september 95 they captured the province of herat bordering iran exactly one year later they captured the afghan capital kabul overthrowing the regime of president Oh, let's take our best shot at this one. Burhanuddin Rabani. Anyone got any critiques there? I don't think that he's going to care if you mispronounce his name. Sterling. I don't think he's a listener. <laughs> okay. One of the founding fathers of the Afghan Mujahideen. So at this point, the Taliban is now overthrowing the Mujahideen after they overthrew the communist government. By 1998, the Taliban were in control of almost 90% of Afghanistan. Afghans wary of the Mujahideen's infighting after the Soviets were driven out, generally welcomed the Taliban when they first appeared on the scene. Their early popularity was largely due to their success in stamping out corruption, curbing lawlessness, and making the roads and areas under their control a safe place for commerce to flourish. But the Taliban also introduced or supported Islamic punishments, such as public execution of convicted murderers and adulterers and amputations of those guilty of theft. The attention of the world was drawn to the Taliban in Afghanistan following the attacks of the World Trade Centers on September 11th. The Taliban were accused of providing sanctuary to Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, who were blamed for 
the attacks who were supposedly hiding out in Afghanistan at this time. And then on October 7th in 2001, the U.S.-led military coalition invaded Afghanistan, and by the first week of December, the Taliban had entirely collapsed. And, I mean, Afghanistan just went haywire after that. So the reason I bring all this up is just to show that this all started because there was a communist government in Afghanistan being supported by the Soviet Union. The United States wanted to turn this into just an extension of the Cold War. They only really cared about Afghanistan for that reason. They, they go in, they fund the Mujahideen to get them to battle the controlling government in Afghanistan and then take it further and actually begin attacking the Soviet Union and spreading anti-Soviet and anti-communist propaganda into the Soviet Union. And all of this was largely at the help of Osama bin Laden and the Al-Qaeda, basically, commerce network, which at the end of the day is all Al-Qaeda really was, is it was just a network to help smuggle and trade and train military units. So Osama bin Laden was very much working hand in hand with the Mujahideen, at least in the respect of helping arm them and helping move weapons from other countries in, into Afghanistan. I know a lot of people say like Osama was a CIA operative. I don't think that's quite accurate. I mean, I'd have to dive further into it, but it seems like he at the least was working with them to help facilitate bringing in weapons to Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, and this is actually just especially relevant to current events because now they're trying to say that Al-Qaeda is now in Iran. Yeah. And it's just so blatantly the excuse to go to war with a country that we already have an interest in going to war with. Just like this entire thing about arming these people in Afghanistan and then saying the Soviets are instigating something is very much like having 81 bases around China and then saying <laughs> that China is instigating conflict with us. It really is just the same playbook over and over again. And saying that Al-Qaeda is in Iran, it's just it's so transparent. Yeah. Uh, would you have, Jaron? It's unbelievably transparent. Yes. And it, the thing is, though, is like the American public very well may buy it because they don't can't be bothered to learn a goddamn thing about anything that goes on beyond our national borders. But suffice to say, Sunni and Shia Muslims do not get along. And Sunni Muslims, i.e. Al-Qaeda, would never be in a Shia country like Iran. Yeah. Ward, did you have something? Yeah, the article I read about it, like when Pompeo was talking about it, like the article said literally with no evidence. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I want to go back to uh, Osama bin Laden being a CIA operative. We discussed that the definition of terrorism is effectively the people doing what the government should be doing. Like that's I, I think that's the easiest way that we can boil it down, you know, make it into a nice little redux sauce. So being a network that transports and trains people is terrorism and it was against a communist government. So by the process of elimination, obviously the CIA. Yes. Yeah. What do you mean? That's by a process of elimination, that's patriotism, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the CIA will argue it just like Nestle's doing, where it's like, we're not using slavery. We're just <laughs> aiding and abetting slavery. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, really hammering the point home of the completely hypocritical definition of what is terrorism, what is not terrorism. Again, none of these things are classified as terrorism, but now Cuba is being called a state sponsor of terrorism. Yeah. And Cuba exports nothing but uh, doctors. doctors. That's all they fucking do. It's like <laughs> doctors. They just give doctors to everywhere. Every country, like they export so many doctors. It's incredible. And now they shall pay. Yeah. Yeah. How dare they? <laughs> Thanks. Fuck you. How dare you? Yeah. Cuban doctors are in over 40 countries. Have you no decency? Fuckers have COVID so under control they came and do their vaccine testing, dude. <laughs> oh, that's tired, my favorite tired fact of right winning. now. Tired of winning. <laughs> I'm so tired of winning. <laughs> 
All right, so what else we got? Do we want to get to uh, your stuff, Ward? Uh, I thought Sterling had a little bit. Well, that was really just my point in a nutshell is, you know, at the end of it, they basically were helping fund the Al-Qaeda network because they were helping them work with the Mujahideen and the CIA was providing the money for it. So the CIA was basically building up and funding Al-Qaeda, who was acting as the uh, liaison to, to bring weapons in. And after the Mujahideen finally took control... You know, Osama bin Laden started working with the Taliban, who ultimately had their shit way more together than Mujahideen, who was already just completely splintering into so many different factions. It wasn't funny. So, you know, Osama bin Laden just saw the right side of the fence to be on because the Mujahideen were about to go down. So he sides with the Taliban. And then it's like all these different organizations that Osama bin Laden basically gets tagged with. And just to be perfectly clear, I am not a Osama sympathizer. I'm not simping for for my dude. He's a horrible fucking person that I don't think any of us are, are guilty of, of any uh, appreciation of Osama bin Laden. But I do want to make the point that all of these organizations, even technically Al-Qaeda, were not fucking Osama bin Laden. Like, yeah, he helped found it and he played a big role in it, but he was not the Taliban. He was not Al-Qaeda. He was sure as fuck not the Mujahideen. He was just one person involved in this huge fucking web of organizations that were basically led by the the CIA. So if you want to really pick one person who set this whole fucking thing into motion, it ain't Al-Qaeda, it ain't Osama bin Laden, it's Ronald goddamn Reagan. I mean, it all goes back Full to circle. Reagan, dude. Like, that's that's really what it comes down to, that motherfucker. Yeah. There's a phenomenal book called Sleeping with the Devil by Robert Bayer, and it's just one of several books you can read along this subject. Suffice to say, to really like get a good grasp on the world of Sunni extremism and the role that the CIA plays in it, you have to look at the House of Saud and Saudi Arabia specifically, because a lot of the really extreme Sunni factions are Wahhabi type organizations. And these are actually sort of cultivated in Saudi Arabia through schools of thought that are intensely anti-Western and for a lot of times good reason, but they're doing this specifically to take pressure off of the impending collapse of the country because the House of Saud is hogging all of these resources, paying themselves exorbitant amounts of money when the average people living there don't have a whole lot. And of course, they're kind of like the America of the Middle East. They just kind of bomb the shit out of everything and uh, force it into economic submission. So there's a very close-knit relationship between the CIA, the United States, and the House of Saud. And even if we look at the war in, if you want to call it a war, it's a massacre in Yemen, those U.S. bombs are sold to Saudi Arabia for the explicit purpose of bombing that country. So there's a whole shitload of other wars the U.S. is more or less doing, in my opinion, that they're doing by proxy of the House of Saud. Yeah, I mean, we could probably do several episodes on the Saudi family and their ties to the Bush administration and the Bush family, really. I didn't True. read the book myself, but I know that there is a book, House of Bush, House of Saud, and it is about exactly that, their close relationship. That is definitely something that we could discuss quite a bit. Yeah, piggyback off Reagan and go to Bush the Greater and then Bush the Lesser. Poppy. <laughs> I like making them sound like demons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess um, where we could probably start getting into uh, what you have prepared, right? Yeah, since we touched on like, CIA and more like overseas global scale terrorism. Uh, I was going to touch more on US centric stuff, especially since pretty relevant, especially with the capital riots and whatnot. So, why did something happen? Start, yeah, <laughs> some guys wandering around, you know, moving some ropes. I heard there was a LARPing convention. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to start with some like QAnon Pizzagate stuff. 
then uh, work through that and just give some examples of terrorists on uh, that regard. All right, so the first one I have is uh, from Pizzagate, the um, QAnon precursor. This was uh, when some dumb fuck walked into the uh, pizza shop in Washington, D.C. called Comet Ping Pong in uh, December 4th, 2016, and shot a door like three times. Luckily, no one was hurt. Poor bastard believed in the Pizzagate conspiracy theories. I'm not going to go into that because it's fucking nonsense. (laughs) Though this incident might have had good intentions from the individual because he thought he was fucking saving some kids that just didn't exist but whatever he was still radicalized and weaponized by the far right into committing this act of terror june 15th 2018 QAnon basement dweller armed with a couple rifles two handguns 900 rounds of ammo parked his armored vehicle across the lanes of the bridge near the hoover dam he was upset that trump had not made the mass arrest that the q cult were led to believe in he was in a standoff with police for over an hour before trying to escape and his tires being taken out by spike strips and then he surrendered afterwards. Yeah, dude it was like in the back of this like Brinks armored truck with all this guns and ammo ranting on like live stream. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I can do that here. I don't have to be in a Brinks truck. You know, why, <laughs> why would you endanger yourself like that? Yeah, let alone on the Hoover Dam. <laughs> so what, you said he was mad that Trump wasn't arresting enough pedophiles? Yeah, those mass arrests that Q told everybody about, they hadn't followed through with it yet. So it was fucking mad. (laughs) Literally someone who just doesn't have enough faith yet. One of my favorite takes on the whole Capitol riots that I've seen so far is somebody said that Q actually did come true and the storm happened and so did the mass arrests, but it was actually Q followers that were the victims of the mass arrests. (laughs) Based. (laughs) And way more accurate. Yeah. Cucked. All right, so next one I had from QAnon guy was uh, 19th of December, 2018. Uh, Loser was arrested for planning to blow up a satanic temple monument in Springfield, Illinois. And somehow this was supposed to, quote, make Americans aware of Pizzagate and the New World Order, end quote. Not sure how that's going to fucking work or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not connecting the dots there, but maybe I'm just not understanding it with the Q mind. You know, what really blows my mind is that people are falling for that kind of shit, but they will not believe that capitalism is exploitative. They believe that capitalism <laughs> is great, but they will fall for this shit. Like. Also, TST is legit. I, I'm big fan. Big fan. What's that, TST? The Satanic Temple. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, to me, it's just like a different form of Christianity. And it's like, if you really want to be anti-Christian, just be an atheist or an anti-theist would be more ideal. So to me, it's just like a an edgelord version. Like I really am not trying to piss anyone off. I mean, I fucking think all the uh, artwork and the imagery is great, but fucking LeVay didn't even believe the shit. Like LeVay was like, this is fucking nuts, dog. Like y'all believe oh, it. Oh, dude. LeVay's a piece of shit, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. just rabbit trail. The Church of Satan is Anthon LeVay. The Satanic Temple is an organization specifically set up to fuck with the First Amendment. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So do they believe it? I mean, do they follow and read Anton LeVay? No, no. It, no, it, no. it is 100% exists like when they say, okay, we're going to pass you know religious uh, things for abortion. The TST will go in and say, okay, we now have a new ritual that you must repeat these things whilst having an abortion, which is a tenant of our religion. So go fuck yourself. Okay, I support oh, that. Nice. That's fucking badass yeah. and base. So I retract everything. Yeah. They're uh, based. Temple of Satan rules. Fucking devil horns. Hell Satan. All right, let's let Wood get back to his shit. We'll stop sidetracking. Right. If you thought that last one was crazy, January 2019, <laughs> QAnon believer and aspiring Proud Boy member killed his brother with a sword because, quote, God told me he was a lizard. 
How the fuck? How low on the pole do you have to be to be an aspiring yeah. fucking proud boy, dude? What does that even mean? <laughs> dude, that's what I found in like multiple articles was like that he wanted to be a proud boy, but like wasn't, which the ranks got to be open. Like they got to accept dude, they accept I, Yeah, I definitely don't see like some high fucking like you have to do 20 push ups. It might just be like you can spew the most bullshit and be the most racist to be a proud boy. So yeah, yeah, there's not a high bar of entry to proud boys from what I've seen. Like, he had a sword. They probably would have took him. So you remember in 300, the, like, hunchback guy? I'm kind of imagining that, where they're like, okay, go do a terrorism, and then we'll make you a proud boy. And all he found was his brother. Yeah. <laughs> and thought he was a wizard. Oh, man. They're not, Next they're one not I got sending in. their best, people. Sorry. Oh, not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, March of 2019, a dude shot a mob boss 10 times outside his home. Not just any mob boss, but the boss of the Gambino crime family. Dumbass thought he thought he was working to help Trump by conducting a citizen's arrest. Like he honestly believed he had the full backing of Donald Trump himself. Sense to me. Was it on Fifth Avenue? <laughs> no. I also like to think I have the full backing of people I like that I've never spoken to. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't put AOC in there, Ward. You don't think you have the full backing of AOC to go do some stuff? Oh, I might. I might. It it depends. Like if she finds out I stole her shoes from the Capitol, she'll probably be pissed off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Ben Shapiro, actually. The height identified was a five foot four male. Dude, I love all the tweets. So, I legit thought she was throwing shade. I was like, that's way too specific. Surely she is throwing shade. It's just Ben trying to get his foot fetish off. Which no hate, yeah, that, but like I that mean, was a fake tweet. That wasn't really her, right? No, that was her. Yeah, no, it was fake. The one I had on my story was fake. Oh. I thought it's real. Yeah, I'm just letting people think it's real. I got like 15 questions in my DM asking if it's real, and I'm just letting them sit there. That's the thing, though, is it could be real. That could be real. Oh, especially with like the clapback she's been having on Twitter lately. Like, yeah, absolutely could be legit. That's why I'm letting it marinate. All right. So next case I had was April 2020. A guy in California intentionally ran a freight train off the end of the tracks near the Navy hospital ship Mercy in LA. For anybody who doesn't know, that was the boat that the Navy set up as a floating hospital to help with COVID treatment. The asshole who was LARPing as Denzel from Man on Fire, but in the role of Denzel from Unstoppable, thought the boat was suspicious and wanted to wake people up. Yeah, the QAnon conspiracy on that boat was that they were actually, I think, taking in these slave children and just the mole people. storing them there. Yeah, the mole people, exactly. Yeah, shit's crazy. NWO, baby. Believe it. Uh, same April, a woman live streamed herself driving from Illinois to New York while threatening Biden and Hillary and ranting about QAnon bullshit. Uh, when cops arrested her, she had more than a dozen knives in her car. She was going to go after him with a knife? I guess, dude. Well, I remember the dude who knife. broke in, like, that broke into the White House under Obama? He just had just a knife. He left all his guns. Oh. But why a dozen? Like, she understands how many hands she has. Over right? a dozen. <laughs> She's going to put them between all the fingers and toes and just run straight at them. Jesus Christ. No, like uh, during the George Floyd uprisings, uh, Brandon McCormick in Salt Lake City, you know, comes out with a fucking bow and arrow and a bowie knife. There's something about these people that are so crazy they can't get guns. So at least that works, I guess. <laughs> well, a lot of them can't get guns now. They get charged with federal crimes. I love it. <laughs> that's true that's badass yeah it's great all right july 2020 a q cultist in canada rammed a truck through the gates of justin trudeau's home in ottawa uh he wasn't home at the time but before he did that shit he did make a post about bill gates and covid 
I guess not 5G, but like the rest of his like Facebook page is just full of save our children hashtag shit. Um, next one after that, August 2020, Texas woman chased and rammed two cars that she thought were pedophiles trafficking a young girl. They weren't. September 2020, a guy in Oklahoma whose Facebook was filled with QAnon bullshit was arrested for allegedly killing his girlfriend's 10-month-old daughter. Yeah, November 2020, right after the election, a couple of cousin fucking QAnon idiots were arrested in Philadelphia after cops discovered their Hummer full of guns and ammo outside of the Philadelphia ballot counting center. You guys remember that one? You guys didn't hear that one? No, and I lived in Philly for a while and did not hear about that shit. (laughs) Yeah, it was like three days after, it was like November 6th that happened. And like, there was like real quick press to be like, it was just these two guys. There wasn't anyone else involved. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then, yeah, basically, and of course, the Capitol riots. It's basically for like QAnon, Pizzagate stuff that I can uh, focus on. Well, so I want to say my big takeaway from all this is that this is absolutely what I will be bringing up. Anytime some asshole right winger wants to act like BLM and Antifa killed a bunch of people or burned a bunch of cities down. Because I thought I knew about all the people who were killed because of QAnon. And I didn't know about the vast majority of these. Like the only people I knew about were the pizza shop guy who shot the ceiling, the guy who shot the Gambino dude, and then the Capitol riots. And that's all I knew of the violence that occurred because of QAnon. So anybody who wants to act like there's some kind of liberal media that is complicit with Black Lives Matter and covers for them in any way, it's very obvious we have a media that is very silent about right-wing violence committed by these fucking fascists. Uh, let me go with you, Jaron, and then I think you said you, you had something worth I'm going to butcher some of this because really this is what my wife is really into researching about. So if we ever do an episode on QAnon, she could crush this. But basically there's this whole timeline of Red Scare mutating into this fear propaganda in the 70s of what they were calling super predators at the time, which mutated into the satanic panic in the late 80s, early 90s, and then eventually mutated into the pedophilia ring that's so prominent in QAnon culture. And all of it, the whole lineage is based off of this like, you know, mythos that came from the Red Scare. I wish I could like really hone in more on it, but she's the one that does all the reading. She just is telling me about it. I'm like, holy shit, this is a single timeline, including like the tunnels under Pizzagate. They were saying there were tunnels under preschools with the satanic panic. And all of it just stems back to this Cold War era McCarthyism that just completely fucked up baby boomers so bad that, you know, they're down to just be as gullible as possible with this shit. And I guess some of their kids, too, um, like Mr. I killed my brother because he was a lizard. I'm assuming he was a little younger. You have to have some real strength to do that. But you know what I mean? None of that strength being mental. No. Would you have word? Oh, well, I got two things now. I was going to say how I didn't include there's like five or six different cases of like attempted and actual kidnappings with QAnon members. But the cases were like super convoluted, so I couldn't let really like boil them down. Mm-hmm. But um, then when Jaren started talking about the satanic panic, I just wanted to bring up like the most one of the most interesting takes I've heard on the satanic panic was that it was like basically conservative propaganda because a lot of women were leaving the house to join the workforce during that time. And that's why they focus a lot on the uh, childcare and babysitters rings that are like satanic pedophiles and stuff like that. And it was trying to like conservative propaganda to get women back in the household. Yeah, I've heard that before. That was definitely a huge part of it. I guess it just blows me away that despite, because Ward, most of the stuff you mentioned on that list, I wasn't even really aware of probably more than half of it. It just blows my mind that Nobody is looking at this whole thing as a package and just saying that this is a terrorist group. 
This is a group that is committing terrorism. Yeah, I don't know whether currently classified, but I know the FBI identified them as a potential domestic terror threat in 2019, which it's not like they're going to do anything about them. No, I mean, that's like Jack Dorsey taking Trump off of Twitter in the final hour here. I mean, it's funny, but like, dude. Too little too late. Yeah, a little bit. All right, so the um, next thing I had after QAnon and all them fucking assholes was uh, the next group of assholes, uh, far-right white supremacists. I just wanted to go over this list that I have. Uh, I wasn't going to go into each of the cases. Uh, They're all fairly well-known, but they do all share a terrifying similarity. Cases are Oklahoma City bombing, Columbine, the Charleston church shooting, the Christchurch mosque shootings, Escondido mosque fire, Poway synagogue shooting, and the El Paso Walmart shooting. The commonality all these shares is that the terrorists that committed these acts all shared the same goal, to initiate a race war or a second civil war. And it terrifies me that there's people out there that have these goals in mind. And even worse is that I know that there's other people out there that think that they're actively in (laughs) the second civil war. My initial thought in terms of like white supremacy and why it's not condemned to the same extent that any other kinds of social change or activism are addressed as would be it forces the U.S. to look in the mirror. And that's not a problem necessarily from an existential perspective. It's a problem from a systemic perspective, because if you take the legs out from underneath this country being based on white supremacy and actually hold that mirror to the public, if they were to look at it in an unfavorable way, the state is actively deplatforming itself and making itself seem weaker because it is allowing the white man, the white network of terrorism to be called as such. And it brings the validity of the state itself into question. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you talk about like the construction of that, which and I'll call a spade a spade of like what capitalism, especially uh, in a settler colonial state such as America, is built up upon. We see largely that it is uh, on white supremacy, right? So it's a challenge. This is in turn to almost challenge the state's authority to govern as it does regularly. That's why we see these people fly under the radar typically in any action that they have. I mean, without real repercussions in the sense of like, you know, McCarthyism being such a cultural movement. There's no cultural movement that's enforced by the state that is as such on the alt-right. Yeah, I like that. That's that brain juice I want. (laughs) My thoughts on this kind of overall are basically, um, you actually made me think of it where with something that you said, and you had mentioned in like the group chat that people were having this god-awful take on the Capitol riots, thinking that it had something to do with anarchists or that it, since the police were not able to really put up any kind of, you know, meaningful resistance to these people running into the Capitol, then that is somehow kind of defeat against, you know, the authoritarianist stance. Like tankies should just be owned forever because it shows that authority <laughs> doesn't work and military doesn't work and police don't work. And therefore tankies should just shut up forever because anarchism is clearly the way to go. And to me, it just reminds me, and I mentioned it before, but like, that one time somebody left a comment on something I posted saying something bad about cops or troops or whatever. And they said, what, you're a Marxist. Doesn't that mean you like more cops and military? And it's like, not when they're fucking capitalists, no. Yeah, and what? <laughs> it kind of relates to the idea of not only does the state consider something terrorist if it goes against their explicit goals and just like they don't consider violence terrorism when it is in line with their goals, but also if something was done to you, like let's say somebody killed your family and your loved ones, 
Is there anything that could be done to those people that you wouldn't be okay with? Like, is there any atrocity that you wouldn't commit against those people if you were able to and get away with it? You know, you wouldn't consider it terrorism. You would just consider it justified revenge. And so it really just comes down to whether or not you agree with the ideological goals of the apparatus that's in power at the time, whether it's a state, a militia, any kind of group, you will not consider it to be terrorism if you agree with the end goal, if the ends justify the means for you. Absolutely. That's the thing is, is terrorism is malleable so that it always serves the uses of the state, period. And I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a hardcore abolitionist. I am truly straightforward anarchist. But I will say this, if I have to pick between police that protect property and police that protect people, I'm going to pick the police that protect people. And that's just how it is. And, you know, again, I just find that argument from whatever the fuck anarchist said that to be just so completely (laughs) delusional because you're comparing. Oh, he's very popular. Don't call him out. (laughs) Dude, whatever. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. You know, you're comparing the, the vices of capitalism to the vices of communism. And look, currently we're in a capitalist society. So right now my issue is with that system. I'm not trying to take on some weird hypothetical bullshit about what this would be like under the rule of tankies. I would gladly deal with that then if there is something to be dealt with. But that's not right. currently like that's just like angry masturbation. <laughs> it serves no like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, it's seriously one of the worst takes I've seen lately. Oh. I think it said exactly. It was like in quotations and it was above the picture of the uh, cop taking a selfie with the protesters. It's an it excellent like, troll. But without, this, but without this state, how are we supposed to deal with reaction? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> it's a great troll. It's I so will cut. give him that. It is some fucking oh, golden trolling. <laughs> God damn. What do you have, Gray? So I, I know we all want the, you know, stateless, classless, moneyless society. It's just all how do we get there? And, mm-hmm. you know, anarchists working with MLs or, I mean, even Trotskyists at this point. Which aren't really a, th- that's not really a thing anymore, is it? it I mean, no one it's, really it's is It's fine a until the revolution. Anymore. Afterwards, it gets questionable. Well, so- right. After the revolution, we can, we can deal with it, which is why, you know, I, I call myself the red marksman is because it's, I want Marxism. Once we get there, we'll fucking figure it out. But for, you know, the anarchists, it's the kids who want dessert without eating their veggies first. Yep. Jaren, can you confirm yeah, that? I mean, that's the simplest analogy I can think of. <laughs> It depends on your school of thought, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that being said, I would love to have that podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. Suffice to say, like, yeah, if you're talking about anarcho-insurrectionists and shit like that, yeah, they're the kids <laughs> that want to have dessert first. And that is a large portion of us. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not against that. <laughs> yeah, my particular view happens to be quite different, but that's because I don't perceive anarchism as an ism that is comparable to communism or capitalism. It's philosophical. It's not about the construction of a state or society. Right. It's about critiques of a state or society and how to optimize them. So I think that the concept of an anarchist state is a stupid oxymoron, and I see no purpose in pursuing it. I think the problem in that becomes is something like Gramsci once said is uh, the problem we're approaching is uh, focusing too much on the movement before we focus on the positioning, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I that, feel like yeah, I get what no. you're saying, but just give, give me an example. Uh, absolutely. The movement being like, oh, revolution fucking now, you know, like revolution now we have stateless classes, blah, blah, what have you, without the positioning of getting into the alignment to where, uh, you know, you have class consciousness, people realize the system that they're operating within the demands that are necessary for it to continue onward, and that actualization of what must be done. 
if you don't realize the positioning first and you just have that movement, you kind of end up with what happened at the Capitol. Correct. Hmm. Okay. To me, the role of, of anarchism insofar as like, let's say that we had one world government communist and there was no other capitalist powerhouse to threaten that communist world government. And uh, we were ready to dismantle the militia and police state that had been formerly needed in that communist world government. The role of the anarchist is to make that actually happen, because yes. I don't personally believe that bureaucracies are capable of dissolving by themselves. They are designed to accumulate. They are not designed to disperse. Yeah, that's a good point. That's fair enough, I would say. I mean, that's a very, very yeah. good point, genuinely. But that's also <laughs> a hypothetical scenario that will probably never, ever happen. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know. Even Kropotkin, you know, talked about how you're going to have to remove the specific people from society that will eventually be the troublemakers and try and you know, reinstill capitalism. So, yeah. Yeah, um, anarchists are not nonviolent, but we're also not fucking idiots. Well, <laughs> some of us. I've seen anarchists on Reddit try to argue that death would be preferable and less authoritarian than re-education. Let's let's not bring the redditors into this. Well, that's stupid. Yeah, I don't think let's bring people with actual brain cells, not the redditors. Oh, yeah, for sure. Reddit, that's just was that on anarcho capitalism. <laughs> It was it was somewhere and I just oh, I had to turn my phone off. All right. Jesus Christ, man. Let's uh let's see if we can wrap it up there. We'll we'll do the post. Yeah, we're pretty off base. <laughs> I do want to say um that episode is on the list. Like we are going to do the uh, anarchism yeah, versus yeah. authoritarianism episode and I have a feeling that's going to be even more interesting than I had yeah. expected after oh, hearing Jaren's recent comments. Um so we should probably do that one sooner yeah. rather than later. I didn't have any kind of specific time frame of when we we're going to do it, but maybe let's do the, try and get that one next month. All right, so let me wrap it up. We'll uh Get to the plugs. We do have a bunch of stuff to plug tonight because now we have t-shirts finally. T-shirts! Hell yeah, Sorry. Buddy. Got excited. I'm no, a little I'm drunk excited. already. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to get mine. So yeah, please go to um, the link tree. That's link tree slash turn leftist and it'll take you to our Shopify. That's turn leftist podcast with dashes in between dot uh, my Shopify dot com. But just find us through the link tree. That's the easiest way. We also set up a Patreon. I don't know how much we're trying to beg. We don't have any kind of Patreon exclusive content. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I don't really need anybody to sponsor us, but any donations would be much appreciated. We would definitely appreciate any kind of support people are willing to give us. But um, yeah, I don't think we're any of us at the point where we need money from our fans to exist in the capitalist hellscape, luckily enough for us. But yeah, we definitely would appreciate it. Just really quick on the t-shirts. So for our listeners, if you did see the cover art for the Reagan episodes, that's the design that's on the back of the t-shirts. It's the Reagan is Satan. And it's like, you know, Reagan as the devil. And he's holding a tomahawk missile in one hand, a bag of cocaine in the other. And there's just a big nuclear <laughs> explosion going on in the background. It's fucking it's beautiful. Sick, it, Dude, I'm it, so excited it, about it. It's goddamn great. It's good. <laughs> They're pretty damn good shirts. The only thing else I could plug real quick off the top when we're doing this is uh, make sure if you can to leave a review on Apple Podcasts helps get the show yeah. word out. And if you especially if you can't donate to the Patreon, which is completely understandable, that's a free and easy way at which you can boost and elevate the podcast if you think it's good enough to be done. Hell yeah, absolutely. And obviously, uh, we're going to plug Red Marksman. Thank you for joining us. Great. It was definitely great having you here. So we're going to plug his Instagram page. It's red underscore Marksman, M-A-R-X-M-A-N. Um, did you have anything else that you want to plug, Gray? No, it's just Red Marksman pretty much everywhere. Uh, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I just do most of my shit posting on Instagram, and that's where I have my biggest following. Oh, yeah. Yeah, check out his shit posting. He's got some really funny shit on there. 
And we'll plug Jaron's website, of course. That's J-A-R-O-N-T-E-A-R-L-M-A-N.com. You can buy his book. I uh, started, I'm only like two chapters in, but I'm really liking it so far. Thanks, man. And uh, Ward Lolly on Instagram. That's W-A-R-D-L-A-W-L-E-Y. And his backup millennial leftist. Violations and, on both. Oh, yeah, buddy. Now you're double <laughs> hey, shadow, man. Hey, mazel tov. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think and, I'm going to uh, make a third one. <laughs> and uh, check out Sterling on Twitter. He's running our Twitter for us. That's Turn Leftist Pod on Twitter. And uh, yeah, and as always, I'm Turn Leftist and Turn Leftist 1312 on Instagram if you want to see any of my shit posts. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Please uh, leave us some good reviews and rate us. That's all I got. Thank you, gentlemen. Cheers. Have a good one, guys. Peace out, Greg. Great having you.